These are real people. They do have struggles. And it starts to get on my nerves. I just shut down. So many people suffer from mental illness. She's not a great match for me, and that's okay. A lot of people don't understand the depth of the situation, so they can't appreciate, yeah. Dad came upstairs, and then I heard him say, like, it's happened. And I was like, what's happened? It's difficult dealing with our minds. To get the word out that men have got to start talking. I feel like a lot of the friends that I did have have sort of stopped speaking to me because of it. And the suicidal thoughts were back. People knew that there was something not right, but they just never really said anything or probably felt like it wasn't their place to say anything. Not only did this help me to write it, mm. it potentially might have helped some other people as well. So it sort of started from there. And then she was like, can you tell me a bit about what's going on? So I told her everything and her face dropped. You're not depressed, it's, it's all in your head. That's probably the statement I've had people say the most. I mean, this, this, this shit is real and it's hard, it's exhausting. So many people think they're alone. And then you hear other people talk about it and they think, oh, that's, you know, that's so brave or I could relate to that. Um, and then they want to talk about it. So welcome to the podcast, Amy. It's really nice to actually finally get, get to uh, get to sit down and have a chat with you because I think we've sort of swapped emails for quite a long time now, really. Yeah. Um, I uh, We started talking originally, I think, uh, based around some of the stuff with the with the blog awards that are going to be coming up soon in the summer, which is, which is really exciting stuff. Um, but I know that you've also kind of started to talk a little bit about your own story even before any of this came up. So it's really interesting to actually talk to someone that's got a really supportive workplace um, where they're able to talk about their experience and um, kind of have a bit more openness around mental health as well. So I don't know, how how did it feel kind of being somewhere like that? Um, What, being in my workplace? Yeah, just being somewhere that kind of supports that. I think just because that's how we kind of started talking yeah um it'd just be oh. interesting to kind of hear your view on that yeah well obviously I was very anxious about sharing my story but it was like um it was like a massive weight off my shoulders I told everybody in one go um mm. and everybody was just really supportive it's just been overwhelming um I think I've changed a lot of people's opinions in my workplace especially my boss oh that's really cool he has just been fantastic, and he said he he actually cried when he read my story. Oh, that's lovely. <laughs> um, but ever since then, ever since I've told everyone, it's just it's I just feel like a different person. I just mm. feel like a massive weight's been lifted, and other people in in the workplace have opened up about their struggles as well, which is what I wanted. And yes, yeah, it's, it's really nice. Oh, that's nice. It sounds like a really open environment as well, which it, I think. Yeah. It's really nice to hear because I've had people come on before and not have the best situation at work. Yeah. Um, and it's really nice to hear someone talk actually really positively about their workplace and not yeah. not just, oh, it's very pro-mental health, but actually just open for people talking about their stories and their situations, which is really nice. Yeah, exactly. It's a really, it is a really nice environment to work in. Um, obviously, I was afraid of telling my story mm. to everybody would mean but it's been really good that's really nice and I think especially yeah. now as we've got um I don't know I think when the warmer weather comes around it always makes you feel I might be different in this makes you feel a bit more sociable yeah, <laughs> and it, it makes really you does. it makes yeah. you want to sort of sit down and talk to people and I think yeah you can almost feel isolated in a different way if you weren't able to kind of chat with people and talk about some of the highs and the lows as well oh. Definitely, definitely. Um, before, when I, before I left for maternity leave, I became very um, withdrawn, mm. and I wouldn't talk to anybody in my workplace. Um, we're quite a small office, but I didn't really talk to anybody, so I was quite shy, or I just, I was just really low. And um, I left for maternity, came back. I was dreading going back to work. And I thought, no, come on, you need to do something. <laughs> so 
obviously I started the campaign, which I'll talk about in a minute, but mm. um, I started doing lots of things in the workplace for like like team building and little events um, at lunch times, just to try and get us all talking to each other. Yeah. And it's just been really nice. Like if if you follow us on social media, we just put put it all on there. Like we go out for a coffee at lunchtime. Like the whole office just goes off to the park, and it's it's been really nice. And that didn't happen before. So since opening up and actually talking to people, it has brought us all closer. I think um, it's nice as well because it's not from from what you're saying. It's not just about oh, this is me and my story. Yeah. It's actually about mental health and mental health well-being. It's something that exactly. does affect everybody. Exactly. Um, and having that in terms of actually just supporting everyone that's in the workplace, it's not about, oh, here's Sarah and she's affected by whatever. It's actually, this is something that we should be looking at and considering for everyone all the time. Exactly. That, that I, want, I wanted to create an environment to work in because we're that's happy and not just happy but you know that you don't dread going into every day mm. uh, have little things to look forward to because you spend most of your life in work so yeah. I feel like you shouldn't dread going in and it shouldn't just be work it should be part of your life like a fun part of your life and I think that I've achieved that <laughs> so that's really good and I think we're going to come round to hearing a bit more about your your campaign and some of the stuff that you're doing okay. as well, which would be really good. But I don't know if you're happy to tell us a little bit um, about your own story and your own experience with mental health as well. Okay, so, um, well, I think it started about seven years ago. Um, it got really bad. I mean, I've always suffered. I've always been a worrier, and even when I was younger, but about seven years ago I came back from traveling and it just hit me like a ton of bricks being back to reality I think the same thing happened to you didn't it mm. yeah it's, it's that it's really hard isn't it because you're like is it <laughs> do I make it sound so much better than it ever was because I'm now not there I think there's an element of that but at the same time it's also oh man oh it's crap coming back <laughs> it really is because you're living in like a bubble mm. and so I, I finally like relaxed and was enjoying everything and then came home and I had to get back to normal and it just went downhill from there really and then I had a really bad relationship mm. um who he was a bit of a control freak um he, he just you know I won't go into it but he didn't treat me very nicely. Mm. Um, I that was the first time I'd tried to take an overdose. Um, so I told my mum. Mm. So I, I I thought about taking an overdose. I had the pills. I made the plan, but I didn't actually go through with it. Okay. Uh, then I told my mum, and I went to the doctors, and they gave me citalopram. Mm. Um, I think, but I was really against taking them for some reason. I don't know why now. <laughs> oh, I think I'm really surprised whenever anyone's like, oh, they just gave me medication. And I was like, yeah, okay. Like, yeah. Oh, I, I don't no. think anyone wants to take it at the beginning. No. And I, no. I think I, when I went to the doctors and got, I got the same medication. And um, I think that was in October, but I didn't start taking it until January. I still like I, I was like I just so didn't want to take it I know just knowing you've got the option is it helps yes so, yeah um yeah so that I I was just I I was really low and then I decided to pull myself out of it I know it's easier said than done but that's the way I've always dealt with everything so I decided to join the RAF oh, okay it took me a year but I got in. It was really, it was the hardest thing I've ever done. So I thought, that's it now. My life's made. I can do this, you know. You make your own destiny, all that <laughs> rubbish. <laughs> and, uh, so I handed him my notice. I thought, yeah, I'm going to do something completely different. It's going to keep me fit. I'm going to travel the world. And then about four weeks before I was due to go to basic training, um, I was discharged 
um, because I'd been prescribed antidepressants a year before. So <laughs> the reason what the reason why I got out of my depression actually was the cause of me not getting into the RAF. So. <laughs> oh my god! I know. So, um, but luckily after that, I. I was just like, oh, that's it. Nothing's ever going to work out for me. However hard I try, you know, I was quite negative. And, um, and then I met, I was like really, really, what's the word? Self-conscious. And I just didn't think I'd ever find someone to marry and you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And um, I met my husband now Um in my work in my current no in my previous employment okay so i met him after i didn't get into the RAF, and i could, i think we just sort of fell into a relationship i don't think it was you know <laughs> a massive <laughs> virus. he won't mind you saying that <laughs> and then we ended up married with a baby but yeah <laughs> <laughs> I like those stories though. That's like a real oh, story. That's a real yeah, life. Yeah, it is. It was like, oh, I, I, he was a bit of a rebound that just never <laughs> went away. <laughs> oh, I love it. <laughs> oh dear. I like. So, I like. <laughs> I love the honesty. I've oh. got. I know. Um. Lo- I've got quite a few friends now that originally met like through online dating and stuff. But yeah. because they met like years ago, it was always like, oh, we met in a bar. And I'm like, you didn't meet in a bar, you met online. Just tell the story as <laughs> <it> is. <laughs> like, yeah, no, one, was, no one minds. Just tell us the real story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we just were friends, and then one day we're married. That's how it oh. happened. So, yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, skipping forward, um, I wasn't planning to get pregnant. Um, but I did and I wasn't particularly happy about it even though I pretended to be Um, but I just couldn't put my finger on what was wrong but I just felt like a like an impending sense of doom and I just I just told myself that my life was over now I was having a baby it's it sounds really horrible to say that out loud but that is how I was feeling and um I didn't tell anybody because I thought they would judge me. And, you know, there's so many people that want children and they can't have children. So I was beating myself up. I was like, come on, so many people want this. So mm. why aren't you happy about it? And I just got progressively worse. Um, I just felt so flat, I think. And I, I tried to get excited about having a baby by looking at the cute clothes and (laughs) like all the fun stuff but I just couldn't get myself excited about it um also we're having like financial difficulties as well so bringing a baby into that it was just hard um yeah so I my husband actually did make me go to the doctor whilst Mm. I was pregnant because I think he was getting a bit fed up with me um and once again, they described me antidepressants. But once again, I was really stubborn and didn't take them. Um, I was referred to the perinatal. She's like a, a counsellor. Okay. So, yeah. So I did speak with her a few times. But I would always just brush her off and be like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. Like, I wouldn't really open up. Mm. Um, I don't know why. I just, I just felt like nobody really cared even though they did um and I also had really bad insomnia which I've had for years but that really doesn't help does it when you can't when you don't sleep so you just feel rubbish anyway um but I did I kept telling myself once the baby's here it's going to be fine you know just I'm just having a bad pregnancy it's just I thought you know once everybody kept saying you know once she comes out you're going to be so overwhelmed with love and it's going to be amazing. It's going to be the best experience of your life. And I was like, okay, come on. <laughs> so I was two weeks overdue, which was annoying me anyway, because I was like waddling around like a penguin and it was horrendous. Um, 
then I had to be induced and that was like three days <laughs> but oh, wow. anyway eventually she was born and I, all I felt was just I felt really relieved that the birth was over mm. but then when I was handed this little tiny baby I just felt sick to be honest I was just like oh what am I meant to do <laughs> with yeah. this um and I pretended to be happy but I I wasn't and I thought it's okay you know it's all a bit overwhelming I'm tired um but I hadn't I hadn't slept for like 96 hours at this point I know (laughs) I know so I was all right I thought oh do you know what I just need some sleep and my husband Sean kept saying oh yeah you just need some sleep and I was like all right then but um the anxiety was just always in my stomach and it was like it's building and I was like I don't I really don't want to be a parent I just don't want to be a parent um obviously I I felt like I had to look after this little thing like I Mm -hmm. felt a sense of duty towards her and I didn't want to harm her in any way yeah but I just didn't want to be a parent um and I kept thinking I'm just going to run out of the hospital I'm just going to run away be on my own mm. um, obviously I didn't tell anyone how I was feeling at this point but um, I went home with Sean and Maddie and we were awake all night that first night as many parents new parents are I'm sure but we were awake all night and I was getting myself in a right state I was googling everything I thought I thought I was going to kill her basically because I didn't know how to keep her warm I didn't know how to look after her Mm. and Google is my worst enemy I hate it Mm. because it was telling me all these different things to do and it's contradicting everything I'm I'm not doing it right I'm rubbish parent and anyway so it got to about 4am and I, I couldn't hold it in anymore and I told my husband that I just wanted to kill myself Mm. and I meant it as well so um but instead of sort of taking me seriously he had a go at me um obviously he was frustrated as well and tired but it really doesn't help when you're genuinely feeling so low yeah and you finally tell someone how you feel and they just have a go at you for being stupid Mm. (laughs) so he went um he went out at 4am to Asda to get some formula so he could feed the baby and I could go to sleep. Mm. Um, but then obviously I was left with the baby on my own and I just, I really did just want to go and get some pills. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, so when he came home, he, he didn't comfort me. He just said, go upstairs and go to sleep. You'll feel better in the morning. So... I did go upstairs but I didn't feel better because I then I was tormented with guilt because I thought I'd left I was a rubbish mum and I'd left them both downstairs when I should be looking after them and you know mm. so anyway the next day the midwife came round and I for like our checkup and I said to her that I thought I was going to kill Maddie because I'm a rubbish mum and for some reason, and I don't know why, she sent me back to hospital. But she must have noticed something. Mm. But she actually, you know, if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't be alive right now. So mm-hmm. <laughs> at the time, I was angry at her for sending me back into hospital. But actually, when I look back, it's, it's her that I've got to thank for my life. So, um, yeah, so she sent me and Maddie back into hospital. Uh, I was told over and over again that it's it was third day blues. Um, all parents feel, all new parents feel like this, and I, I felt so um, desperate and low. I just thought, how can all new parents feel like this? Like, surely nobody would ever have kids if this is how it feels. Um, and because I was feeling bad before, I'd had her as well. I just thought I don't want to live my life like this anymore. And um, my mum came in, my mum and dad came in to visit me. And my mum said, um, is everything okay? Have you been checked out? Mm. Said, yeah, everything's okay physically. 
and she said oh it's all in your head then that's all right and I think that I know she didn't mean it how it came across but yeah I at the time it was really damaging to me Mm. and when they left that that was when I just I it was all a bit it's all a bit of a blur after that because I just remember telling the, the midwife that I just wanted to die and like why wouldn't they let me die and um I I don't know I can't really remember much but I just remember lots of doctors coming in and trying to calm me down because I was really sweaty I think I was having a panic attack Mm. um but yeah I just kept saying please just let me die and I think that was the first time I I think Sean really realized how bad I felt yeah um so he was a bit scared (laughs) uh and then the midwives in the hospital were were absolutely amazing so they set me it's not their job to do what they did but they did it anyway and they set me up in a room with sean and maddie um and they just basically just kept an eye on me because which was really nice um but then i still i just felt horrendous so i just didn't want to be alive anymore so um I think it was night time and it was when the midwives were having their uh, handover. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I was in the room. Sean was in the in the loo and Maddie was asleep. And something just hit me and I was just like, I, I can't do it anymore. Like, I don't want to be here. Everybody else will be better off without me. I'm a rubbish mum. Nobody likes me. <laughs> you know, all those negative thoughts that go through mm. your head. And I was just so sick of feeling that way that I just grabbed some medication that was on my side. I don't know why it was in there. Because <laughs> as I was saying, I wanted to die. But I grabbed it and I ran out the door. Um, and my plan was to just get out of the hospital and end it all basically but I was tackled by one of, by one of the new midwives <laughs> which was quite funny <laughs> think about it now um, and this new midwife was absolutely amazing um, she calmed she well she tried to calm me down but she she basically stayed with me all night she was just stroking my hair treating me like a child because I, I just felt like a child you know I didn't I couldn't function anymore mm. I, uh, it's really hard to explain but I just I just given up I think on, on life and anyone that's been in that anyone that's been depressed knows what that feels like yeah just think... you're just sick of it all and yeah there's so many people that I think not necessarily in that particular situation but will understand and really resonate with yeah. how that feels and and like you say, it is, it is hard to describe, but yeah. it's that you are just, you are empty. You, there's nothing there. There's yeah. there's like no desire to carry on. And exactly. you are, it's not that you're like a child. It's just that like a child, there is nothing there. And it, you yeah. just need that nurturing exactly. for someone to show that, exactly. that care or um, just that bit of attention and like just just sitting there just having some sort of physical contact or eye contact or um that makes i think such a difference it it really does like i think because i was so used to being that person for everybody else Mm. and always being the one to help other people and you know look after my husband and do the cooking and the cleaning and everything like that I just think it all got too much for me and I just think I just just had enough and um just someone else taking care of me for once and you know at the time I felt really guilty like I was like why I I don't deserve to be here being looked after by you I need to be looking after my daughter so the guilt was a massive Mm. massive burden (coughs) and that's what I couldn't handle was the guilt um but anyway i'm going on a bit now so (laughs) after 
that I had to be assessed by quite a lot of doctors and psychiatrists and they decided to send me to a mother and baby unit okay um, which I was devastated about I mean I actually my first reaction was I was just numb because I just assumed that I was staying in Bristol um, but when they said I'd be sent up to Nottingham which is three hours away I mm-hmm. was just distraught to be honest so um, and I didn't even even really have time to think about it because I was shipped up there. Yeah. I felt I felt like a prisoner. Um, I know that's not the point, and I know that those places help so many people, mm. but I don't think it was the right kind of help for me. Mm. I totally understand why I was sent there, and but I was ripped away from all my family. Um, I didn't know anybody like every little thing made me anxious you know the fact that they had a different accent to me mm-hmm. nothing was familiar <coughs> um I was being checked checked on every 10 minutes so I couldn't sleep and the fact that I am a massive insomniac I wanted to sleep um to try and help myself feel better mm. and I couldn't because they were shining a light in my eyes every 10 minutes. And I know why they were doing it, but it didn't help. <laughs> yeah. It's asleep. Um, yeah, so basically I stayed there for a bit and I really wanted to go home. I thought I really wanted to go home. I thought, I thought, come on, get out and it'll be fine. Yeah. So I eventually got out of there. And I got in the car and I just felt awful. Like, I thought I would feel amazing, but I felt awful. I I phoned my dad on the way home and I just cried my eyes out. And I said, well, what am I going to do now? Like, I got out of there, but now what? Like, I don't know. I still feel awful. <laughs> um, so I went to live with my parents. <coughs> and to be honest, it, it was my parents especially my dad and my sister that that helped me recover Mm. as well as i have so um and also the south gloucestershire crisis team who visited my house every single day they were they played a massive part but it's not as easy as it as uh just going to sleep one day and waking up and feeling better it's it's really hard work to you've got to want to feel better so i I did work really hard to get where I am now. (laughs) And there's so many parts of your story as well that I think are are so interesting and important for people to hear. And I want to say thank you for sharing that as well. And um, I think obviously people that are aware of or affected by pre or postnatal depression i think will resonate with that quite a lot and actually a lot of a lot of your story and your journey i think so many people that are affected particularly by depression whether they are have family ties or not um will have had similar types of situations and yeah I, i i do find it interesting how much I think just because on the on one of the recent episodes I recorded, we thought we talked a little bit about um, stigma and self stigma and kind of links into yeah. peer pressure, and so much of the people's stories as well. You start it's because people feel early on, I think, unable to talk about some of the smaller things that we're struggling yeah. with that. Actually, feel it like it's an irrelevant. Yeah, and you're like, oh, it's just like you say when you're coming back from travels and stuff like that, and you feel a bit blue, and you're like, just to yeah. be able to talk about that and actually yeah. sort of recognise and say, actually, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling, I might not be depressed, but I'm having symptoms of yeah. that, and actually just being able to talk about that, I think, is really important. Definitely. And often, I think too, too often we we leave those things sort of unsaid and private yeah. and 
really a spiral definitely starts to happen definitely um and i think for me as well it's that idea of how we think we're meant to behave or how we think we're meant to feel and some people that have that i've spoken to before and they've sort of spoken about their it's so easy when you're the listener it's so easy when you're this and you're like (laughs) um the stuff that they've struggled with with anxiety or depression usually um you're like well that's completely natural like yeah you're you're feeling it to a larger extent than most people but what you're feeling isn't strange you're just feeling it more but because they feel unable to or feel like actually what they're experiencing is somehow not the norm or not what they should be experiencing uh, it's really hard because you're like it's it is very much I think conversation and feeling more able to talk about it it's not going to solve mental health illness but I think it would definitely decrease on the amount of people that get to crisis point yeah exactly um and that's why I think all the stuff that people do with um blogs or personal talks and things like that is so important even if it's just one or two people that really kind of resonate with that that feel more able to go away and talk with family friends colleagues whoever um that's so important and it's great it's unfortunate that we have to rely on non-professionals and everyday people to do that but um that's why that's so important and like you say, it's recognising some things as well. Like if you struggle with insomnia, if you struggle with sleep, whether it's too much or too little, yeah. like isn't that going to drastically affect how you feel or how able you are to like care for someone or to exactly. be productive in the workplace? Yeah. Um, but we, for some reason we don't want to say, oh, I'm really struggling, my, like my mind races and I struggle to sleep and because I'm struggling to sleep, I'm struggling to concentrate. We're just like, yeah. oh yeah, I just feel a bit tired. <laughs> yeah, that's the standard answer. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm just tired. Yeah. Like, just tired. <laughs> yeah. But I don't see why mental, so if you're not feeling mentally well, mm. I think you should be able to just talk about it because you would talk about it if you had a headache or yeah. or a broken leg. That's yeah. what every, that's the, the thing I heard so many doctors say to mm. me is, why do you feel guilty? You know, you you wouldn't feel guilty if you had a broken neck, yeah. would you? Yeah. So. And I think it's that thing as well of like if you had, um, if you had a, like symptoms of a cold, you'd be more than happy to say, oh, oh I've got God. the sniffles or I've got a headache or, um, like every sort of third or fourth year, I really struggle yeah. with hay fever. <laughs> I don't know what it is um and I'm like oh this year is the year it's getting me I'm like why don't I talk about like my depression in the same way why don't actually this it's generally this is going to be a really difficult time I feel it a little bit more now yeah oh yeah I'm not going to say that but I'm happy to say oh there's a lot of pollen going around (laughs) exactly I know I know I I am trying to get people to open up and talk about it but it still is slightly difficult for Mm. me to talk about it as well it's, it's forcing myself to do it as well so yeah. I know that it feels a lot better for doing so, so. I think it, it's definitely because I've seen um lots of stuff in the last year year and a half around getting people to talk and I think that's really really important mm-hmm. but I, I kind of feel like that message is pretty out there now yeah um, and I think it's important to look at some of the things that go around that, like yeah. actually not just saying, yes, let's talk, like actually recognising it's about people feeling able to talk. Yeah. Like don't, it's not about forcing people. Some people might just not want to talk about it. Some yeah. people really don't want to hear it. And so there's a balance there of actually, it's important for them to be aware, but if you if you force them to talk about it, they're not going to appreciate that. And equally, no. you as the person kind of sharing your own experience, you're not going to have a positive feeling from that. So what? Yeah. what's the real benefit of that conversation? Um, and I think a lot more we need to look at and work on actually people being happy to listen. Yeah. Um, because I, I've 
I've been really fortunate. I've heard a number of people talk about their stories now and um, so many people kind of struggle with that. Oh, I couldn't talk to a family member or friend or whatever. And I've, I've had the same thing and I've had to learn that it's a kind of about working out who I feel safe and comfortable talking yeah. to. And I would like so berate myself for not talking mm-hmm. about mental health to some people. Um, and it's about kind of just balancing up that actually, if you're really, really good at marketing or sport or whatever, you don't tell everybody that. Like you tell <laughs> some people that if you, um, oh, I don't know, you trip over in the supermarket. Again, you don't tell everyone. <laughs> like you no, tell some no. people. And I think it's about kind of learning that balance. And also as much as talking, it's also about not feeling guilty about not talking about everything to yeah. everyone yeah i mean like i i have my my person that i know listens to me and that is that is my dad mm. but i am the eldest of four children and i've grown up th- feeling like i haven't been listened to my whole life mm. um might sound a little bit dramatic but you know i can't get a word in edgeways half the time and i get ignored and i think it's just part of being a big family but mm. Um, I just stopped talking in the end because I thought I wasn't worth listening to. Yeah. Um, so I didn't think anybody wanted to hear anything I had to say, how I was feeling. I didn't think they cared. So it would just get brushed off. The few times I did say, oh, I just don't feel really great. I would get like a answer such as, oh yeah, well, I don't feel good either. You know, like that sort of answer. So I yeah. wouldn't, uh, <laughs> I wouldn't even bother telling anyone about it, but after I was sectioned, my dad really, he, he was just amazing. You know, he would listen to me and then offer really good answers. You know, so he would, he, he proved that he actually listened to me. And I would say the same things over and over again, but he, he was really patient. And, mm. and he, I said, oh, I feel guilty. I just keep telling you the same things. And he assured me that he didn't feel guilty and it made him feel good to be there for me and yeah oh so he is that person that i tell everything to but everyone else i i, ha- I do have a sort of limit mm. <laughs> i you know so so like today for example at work uh my friend that sits next to me she came in and i knew straight away that there was something wrong so we spoke about it she had a little cry and then it's we sort of like got on with the day Mm. but normally people like yeah i'm fine yeah they're not and then it would build up and build up and Mm. because we spoke about it and because i asked her and i was willing to listen to her yeah and vice versa like she does that for me as well so i I, that's the kind of thing i want to to do not and i don't feel like it's moaning i don't feel like you're opening up about all your mental health i just feel like Mm. it, it helps people decompress and I, you know, you, do you know what I'm trying to say? Yes. Well, and and I think because I've heard people before come up against the argument of, oh, you're taking time away from work and tasks uh. and all that rubbish. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, yeah, that's fine. If you're going to be like that, let's talk about how unproductive that person would have been if they'd come in yeah. and been sad and um, yeah. like unable to control their emotions. So rather yeah. than have a whole day and possibly longer affected by that, actually mm-hmm. by taking half an hour out just sitting down having yeah. a drink talking to somebody else they're able to offload a little bit and feel like they've got support they're going to yeah. feel more valued they're going to feel more appreciative of where they work and who they work with yeah and actually want to do better work anyway and that's before you get back to the fact they'll do a better day's work okay. <laughs> i just you think it. it's <laughs> I, I I understand that viewpoint, but it's just it's so short sighted. Yeah. That I just feel like someone that really gives a crap about their business yeah. surely has a longer term view yeah. than like the next six hours. <laughs> I know. I, know. <laughs> I just I, I, yeah, I know. <laughs> um, well, I feel like we're very lucky now because because of all this that's happened with me, I feel like mm our office is a different place so they're really understanding about things like that and happy for us to do it because I'm sure they won't mind me saying but before 
it was quite a quiet office. Mm. Um, it was very work focused, and I think we would get told off for giggling and stuff. So, oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I've been places where it's like, yeah, it's no talking, or I really quite like having some background. Yeah, music or so something and I've been yeah. places where it's like nope you can't have the radio on you can't do it and I'm like yeah that's what it's like but now I feel like that, that I feel like it's there's a lighter mood I feel like mm. everyone's allowed to have a little chat and then you get on with your work yeah I just feel like it's I feel like we're all more productive because we're all more happy yeah. so yeah yeah <laughs> I think there is a balance to have yeah. But I think it is a balance. It shouldn't be all one, one or the way. Other. And I think, Definitely. again, like looking at that longer term view, um, if people are happier somewhere and feel happy as part of that team, aren't they more likely to be more productive? Aren't they more likely to stay there and actually exactly. not, not leave in 12 months time? And then you have to recruit and retrain and get them to experience everything. And yeah. you're like, that person's going to stay and want to be there and, potentially want to move up within that organization rather than go elsewhere so i think it's it is a balancing act and you do have to have some targets or whatever but there has to yeah there has to be that um not even social side really just like that human side of yeah not robots yeah and like you say you're going to be at work more than you're at home exactly um so you do need that as well and i know through the stuff that you've started to do at work, you've started your own kind of campaigning and things like that as well. So I don't yeah. know if you want to tell us a little bit about that. Okay. So the idea for the campaign, which is called Believe in Happy, um, came about whilst I was, I think it was just after I came home from Nottingham. And my grandma sent me a Get Well Soon card. And First of all, I was really shocked because, you know, it's my grandma. She's of a different era. So I mm. thought, you know, <laughs> I thought she wouldn't look at me as if I was unwell. But she sent me the card and it was, it really helped me. Um, I still got it now and I look at it and it reminds me that, you know, someone was thinking of me and I was loved and they did want me to get better and, it it really helped. It was just a piece mm. of card. And, you know, if you send one for a physical illness, it's sort of, you're like, oh, yeah, thanks. And then it kind of goes in the bin. But that one card meant more to me than any other birthday card or anything that I've ever received. Mm. Um, and then I sort of, my, my doctor who came to the house, he noticed it as well. And he, he thought it was amazing and said he wishes more people would send cards for mental illness and so anyway, I, I kind of shelved that idea for a while, went back to work, and I thought, hang on a minute, I, I work for a greeting cards company, <laughs> so <laughs> why don't we do this? Like, So I, I got straight up, went to my boss, and he absolutely loved the idea, and he was just he, he just kept telling me how proud he was of me for going in there and saying this is what we want to do, and that spurred me on, and, and then we contacted Mind, um, because I, I didn't want it to be, well, we didn't want it to be a business thing. We wanted it to be a personal a personal campaign that will really help people. Mm. So my boss wanted to donate 30% of all of the net sales from these cards I designed to Mind, mm. um, <laughs> which is quite high. But um, So that, yeah, then I designed these two card ranges. One's called Believe and one's called happy and they all contain messages of support you know like because I, I feel like I there was only certain things that helped me in my recovery like you can't just say anything to someone in recovery <laughs> it's got to be quite um sensitive <laughs> yeah I think there's a there's Almost you've got to every... know the person as well haven't yeah. you to some extent yeah, yeah. yeah. so I I put all these words down on these cards that I thought might help people and then they were approved by Mind who who are amazing they're an amazing charity as you probably know mm. um, and then we started campaigning for everyone to believe in happy because I feel I feel like personally you need to believe 
in yourself and you need to believe that you can be happy in order to recover because I certainly didn't believe that I could be happy ever again mm. but once I started believing it I began to get better but I know that's not the case for everybody but hopefully if with these cards the campaign is about being able to feel comfortable enough to send a card to somebody with a mental illness and also for it to help the person that receives it because there's information on the back on who to contact if you're not feeling great and mm. I, I just wanted it to to help people yeah That's i think it's also a really nice way to sort of say um like i'm here if you want to chat yeah because, because i think that people... it can be really difficult and people feel really awkward sometimes as well around yeah. how do i approach it and like this is a great way to do it because you can send a card and you don't have to stand in front of someone or like send them a text message. You can send a nice greeting card and it can be like, this is just it. Like you don't have to reply where I feel like if it's a text or a message, people feel a bit of a pressure to reply. Like if you want to chat, I'm here, but if not, that's okay. That was exactly the the point. Sorry, I'm not very good at putting that across. (laughs) (laughs) I I do the summary in the simple word and you make it sound (laughs) eloquent. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) Um, Yeah, so we did a lot of stuff for Mental Health Awareness Week um, to try and get the the hashtag Believe in Happy trending. Mm. Mm. Uh, So we did a lot of fundraising for Mind, but it also was sort of a team bonding yeah thing as well so we did on the monday we did breakfast of champions where we bought in our nespresso machines and you know we contributed a quid and had a coffee and a pastry and that was really nice and oh, on the nice. tuesday we did like a color me happy session for a donation um which is a really nice like a mindfulness exercise yeah um and then on wednesday we did a rainbow day where we all dressed up as in really bright outrageous clothes and that was, that was wicked that was really fun <laughs> put smiley face balloons and rainbow balloons everywhere um on the thursday we all went for a walk in the park and had a coffee and the amazing guy that runs the coffee like tuck tuck in the park mm. donated a hundred pounds oh wow so that was really nice so we're getting the local community involved as well um and it's just it's just been really nice it's brought us all together and yeah (laughs) helped loads that's really nice because again it's it's that community side isn't it of yeah we started off saying it's great that you're sharing your story and it's great that the workplace are doing some stuff as well but actually when it starts to feed out to the community how good that is because it starts engaging them in awareness of services and the fact that you can talk about it is really good and Mm. I really like as well because um for for my workplace we did stuff for mental health awareness week but a lot of ours was kind of just it's um just kind of having conversations with people which was really really good um but I particularly like that you kind of talked about actually some of the things that people can do to support themselves so things like the coloring in and like the walking um and having a coffee with people it's things that they can go oh actually that that was quite nice and if i know i can do that with maybe someone that i know that might be struggling we can just sit down and do some coloring or we could just go for a walk rather than sit in front of the telly or go to the pub like we could do something a little bit different and just have that one-to-one time um i think that's really nice as well it sort of signposts stuff and also makes what you're doing more engaging as well probably yeah that was the aim (laughs) that's really good i like that um so if people want to find out a bit more about your campaign and some of the other bits and pieces that you do um where's the best place for them to go okay so they can go directly to the funky pigeon page um and then it'll be under the believe in happy section in the drop down page or we also have a funky pigeon blog or you can follow me on instagram and my instagram is just amy still underscore fp if anyone wants to follow me on that and all the links are on in my bio there and that's it i think cool and i'll add 
those into the description for the podcast as well. So if you want to find those, you don't have to type them in. You should be able to click on the link, which would be good. Um, I want to say a big thank you to you, Amy, for coming on and for sharing your story and talking so openly about um, some of the stuff that can be really, really challenging, but also showing the upside of some of that as well and yeah. how that's led into a real change, not just for you, but the people that you're working with and, and your local community and actually um, hopefully signpost into some people that just to come forward and to have a chat and even if you don't think it's too serious or you're worried about it, just find someone that you're able to talk to, I think is really important. And yeah, I think it's it's hard because it's not my experience, it's yours and it's just from what I've heard, but I really don't think it sounded like you went through anything that's strange. No. It's all normal <laughs> things. Yeah. And like... it's just you're feeling them to a higher extent and I think that's why talking and being aware of support is so important. And Yeah. Um having people like yourself that are, are brave enough to kind of come forward and talk about their story is is so so important mm-hmm. <laughs> um so big thank you to you and uh i look forward to kind of reading a little bit more because i only had a skim through earlier um <laughs> uh with the uh the blog and the campaign as well so i look forward to seeing a bit more from there um but thank you very much for coming on and sharing your story well, thank you for having me These are real people. They do have struggles. And it starts to get on my nerves. I just shut down. So many people suffer from mental illness. She's not a great match for me, and that's okay. A lot of people don't understand the depth of the situation, so they can't appreciate it. Dad came upstairs, and then I heard them say, like, it's happened. And I was like, what's happened? It's difficult dealing with our minds. To get the word out that men have got to start talking. I feel like a lot of the friends that I did have have sort of stopped speaking to me because of it. And the suicidal thoughts were back. People knew that there was something not right, but they just never really said anything or probably felt like it wasn't their place to say anything. Not only did this help me to write it, Mm. it potentially might have helped some other people as well. So it sort of started from there. And then she was like, can you tell me a bit about what's going on? So I told her everything and her face dropped. You're not depressed, it's, it's all in your head. That's probably the statement I've had people say the most. I mean, this, this, this shit is real and it's hard, it's exhausting. So many people think they're alone. And then you hear other people talk about it and they think, oh, that's, you know, that's so brave or I could relate to that. Um, and then they want to talk about it.